Good morning, and welcome to episode 78 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here, and happy hump day, everybody. My guest today is Johnny Vignola. He's a visual designer freelancing under JV Creative, and he's also the digital designer at Crocs. Yeah, the shoes. Love the shoes or hate the shoes, you cannot deny their comfort. During this episode, Johnny and I talk about packaging and action figures. We were both action figure kids, you know, growing up and playing with those. We talk about the strength of some brands, how you can instantly recognize a brand just from the logo or just from a color or something like that. We talk about designers that have inspired Johnny through his journey and continue to do so. And Johnny tells us a story about a design project that was seemingly simple, where he was referred into it by a friend, and it didn't quite go as expected. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into this one. My man, Johnny Vignola. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Johnny, how are you, sir? Good, Dave. Honored to be here. Awesome. I'm super happy to have you here. And as you know, this is the quickie. I'm keeping it to 30-ish minutes or less. So I'm just going to get right to it and briefly tell the listeners about yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, my name is Johnny. Uh, originally from New York. Um, went to school in South Florida, a mm-hmm. uh, small little Christian school in West Palm Beach. And then hung out there for about another year, uh, got married and came out to Colorado. And I've been uh, freelancing here and uh, working in-house at Crocs. Right on. Now, I don't own a pair of Crocs, but do you own a pair of Crocs? I do now. <laughs> I, uh, I was the only person in orientation who had never touched a pair. <laughs> and I was like, I think these fit. I wouldn't know. Uh, that looks good to me. <laughs> that's how you stood out and got the gig, man. Yeah, I, I suppose. You know, they want that outside perspective, I guess. There you go. It's always something to it. Just be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely drank the Kool-Aid, though. We, we each have like three or four pairs now. Sweet. Is everybody rocking them around the office? Uh, a solid majority does, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great. I imagine, like I've never worn a pair, but I imagine they would be an extremely comfortable office shoe. Yeah, I'm definitely not mad about that. Like, uh, you know, you just throw them on. If you want to put on some socks, you can. Uh it just makes it nice and easy. I like the sound of that, though. Socks and Crocs. Yeah, there might be a potential little like spinoff or collab there or might something. Be something there. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Crocs and socks. That's cool, man. No, that sounds exciting. It looks, um, you got a definitely a diverse uh, experience base with the freelance, but also the in-house stuff. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to hear more about that. But first, I want to dive into your childhood. Um and I want to know if you had a creative childhood or if you think you did and if that led you in this creative career path. For sure. Um, no, I definitely think I did. Uh, so I, I love drawing. Uh, I originally wanted to be an illustrator or an animator. Mm-hmm. Um, so always just drawing 
anything I get my hands on, like, you know, math homework or whatever. I'd be doing all over the sides and making stuff. And um, always loved movies. And, you know, as a kid, always, you know, playing stories like out in the woods and creating our own characters and stories and whatnot. And then any chance I could also building with Legos and trying to, you know, improve on whatever I built last time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, Lego for sure, man. That's at the core of like I would say eighty percent of kids' childhoods. <laughs> oh, for sure. I haven't let go of it yet. I just got the Stranger Things logo uh, Lego recently, and it oh, was like cool. a dream come true putting that thing together. That's awesome. Like even <laughs> now as adults, you get a Lego set, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't judge. No shame. <laughs> no shame at all. Lego rocks, man. Um, <laughs> were your parents in the creative field? Were they artists? Were they designers? What were they up to? Um, not specifically. So my mom's a stay-at-home mom. She was from Peru. Um, my dad was a software engineer at IBM. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, in hindsight, I could kind of see like little traces of it. Like you know, my mom would have like phone calls, like somehow wrangling stuff for us kids, or you know, with family. And she'd always—I know she would always be doodling on mm-hmm. a piece of paper too. Um, okay. And then my dad, you know, not artistic necessarily, but. You know, now they have a better understanding of what he actually does. Like, definitely a lot of creative problem solving there. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked on a bunch of programs that I didn't even know like, existed, you know, until I had asked him what he actually did. Mm-hmm. So you were doodling throughout school, drawing on the sides of homework and things like that. Um, you just started on that naturally? Or was there somebody in your family that was sort of the creative beacon of light in, um, you know, to, to pursue creative? Did you come to that yourself? Um, no, good question. I, it was pretty natural. Um, you know, as we kind of like jokingly tried to figure out like, how did you get so good at drawing? Cause you know, my parents like to like, we never drew, we're not good at drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, my one uncle loved to do like cartoons, but you know, never really pursued it and developed it. But, uh, it was always kind of there. I always wanted to create something or I would see something that I really liked and I'd want to replicate the same style or mm-hmm. some sort of cartoon I thought was so cool that I just had to find a way to draw it the same exact way. Um, yeah, it was just a, a kind of natural outlet, I guess. Got it. So nobody really was an artist or creative in the f- immediate family. Um, you just sort of came to it and it it made you happy. So you just oh, kept yeah. doing it. Exactly, yeah. Got it. So was there a moment when you first started noticing design out in the world where you started making the connections to design to your doodles and be like, oh, maybe that could this and just sort of start putting those pieces together? Yeah. Um, I didn't make the connection to design itself until I was looking for what I want to go to school for. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, initially thinking like, well, I, I'm good at drawing, so I guess I'll maybe be an illustrator. I looked at what like a more general major would be mm-hmm. to get into that without having to go to an art school and enrolled in a graphic design program and then fell in love with the problem solving side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to backtrack to, you know, being younger, in hindsight, I can see I was always attracted to really like well-developed branding. Um, oh, okay. You know, I remember like I would want certain products just because I liked how it looked better. And I remember getting like a weird feeling, you know, if there was a comparable product that wasn't as well done, you know, maybe it was like a store brand mm-hmm. or some sort of knockoff. And I remember just getting weird feelings like, oh, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like a lie. Like it's not even the same exact thing. It's like mm-hmm. trying to be, but it can't do it. <laughs> Man, as soon as you said that, um, I don't know how old you are. I'm 33. 
Okay, I'm only 27. Okay, and I remember yeah. when I was in like grade eight, grade nine, the a store called London Drugs up here in Canada had this knockoff Tommy Hilfiger cologne. And it was <laughs> it was it was not branded anything like Tommy Hilfiger, but it said in type on it, "Smells like Tommy Hilfiger." <laughs> and one of the kids in our school got it and was like, dude, you got to check out this knockoff Tommy. It, it was like 20 bucks, whereas the real Tommy Hilfiger cologne was like 70 bucks or something like that. Yeah, outrageous. Yeah. And it, um, that, as soon as you said, you know, that knockoff product, where it's like, it wasn't quite as good, that's immediately what I remembered. <laughs> so, Hopefully, it didn't bring back like just horrible memories for you. Oh, or no, anything. dude, that knockoff Tommy got me places. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's all good memories flooding back. It's right all now. good memories now. Yeah, at the time, it oh, was man. weird, but anyway. <laughs> that's so funny. I remember like anytime I'd like go to like a like a barbecue or a party and it'd be like a knockoff soda brand, I'd just be like disappointed. You know, it probably <laughs> tasted exactly the same. I'd be like, I don't even want it now. Yeah, for sure. Knockoff cola. You didn't want the Coke. Like what? What's that about? RC Cola or something? Yeah. Or... <laughs> Immediately judge. I'm out. Yeah. This is not my kind of scene. <laughs> oh, it's, it's that kind of party. That's great. So, what were what were one of the brands or you know packaging or whatever it was that um, stood out to you as as a winner as something that was done well? You know, I wish I could think of one specifically when I was younger that stood out. Um, I know with, you know, loving movies and uh, we didn't have any channels, so I'd love to like buy movies and collect movies. Mm -hmm. I just remember that there was some movie cases that I just loved having, like, even if the movie wasn't great, I just mm -hmm. loved having it on my shelf and seeing it like as part of the collection. Yep. And, um, you know, just because it was executed well. I know, I know one that I still have that I haven't watched since I first bought it was like the sequel to 300, which just should have never been there made. There was a sequel? Yeah, you're better off not even knowing about it. <laughs> okay, perfect. But it had a really sick cover art, and uh, I like semi bought it just to have it, and then I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, I should have never even opened this." <laughs> <laughs> but now I have it, so whatever. Yeah, just keep it on the shelf. It looks nice. Yeah, That's about it. Very cool. I um, mean, the other thing I thought of when we're talking like packaging and done well, I was big into action figures as a kid. Loved oh, okay. action figures and Batman specifically. And for one birthday or Christmas, I got this um, Wayne Manor or, you know, the Batman cave kind of thing. Yeah, It was this three-piece thing that kind of folded open. And on one side, it was the Batcave. And on the other side, it was like this Wayne Manor mansion. And um, But the box for it had this like pop-open window, like a piece of the box, a flap that you can oh, open up. And you yeah. can peek in and you see the Wayne Manor side. And then you open the other side and it shows like the Batcave side. So right away you get the feeling that you're going to get playing with this toy just yeah. by the packaging alone. Brilliant. Yeah. Dude, I never saw that one, but that reminds me of um, – I used to love Lord of the Rings action figures. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a huge like Middle-Earth nerd. And um, the box was like like a semicircle, like rounded on the front. Okay. And then it would kind of frame the figure. So all you saw was the character. But then that would actually like Velcro and open. And then you'd see all the accessories that were hidden behind that. Yeah. But it was just so cool how he like just perfectly framed the figure. And you just knew like what character you're getting. And you had to kind of open it to see like what else you'd get with him. That's cool. Well done. Those clever packaging guys. <laughs> they don't make them like they used to, man. Nope. That's for sure. So what is um, what stands out as the most influential design of your life so far? Um, you know, interpret the question however you want. Um, mm -hmm. and it's something you've seen or something you've been a part of, but something that has influenced your career and really stuck out to you. For sure. Um, yeah, this one kind of stumped me a little bit, as I'm sure 
does for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to pin down one. Um, what came to mind was brands sort of like like McDonald's or Target that have been able to strip their identity back to just you know the icon, and yes. you know it immediately. Like even if you like you know, semi squinted your eyes and just saw like the general shape of it and the color palette, you'd know immediately mm-hmm. what it was. Um, but then on that note, I also thought of FedEx. Their logo always blew me away. It's so like stinking simple. And then that subtle arrow that's made in that negative space, it like mm-hmm. gives me like the warm fuzzies every time I see it. <laughs> that's great. So I loved what you said about, you know, logo or brands being able to scale back to like just a word mark or just a logo or something for their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you said it, I quickly scanned through my head and I came up with Nike, Starbucks, um, oh, yeah. McDonald's for sure, Target for sure. Um, yeah, and just really well-executed branding that mm-hmm. is instantly recognizable. And it's always cool seeing like the progression to like Starbucks is a great uh, example of that. You know, they mm-hmm. had a very intricate, um, you know, mark, which wasn't bad in itself at all. And then they just kept kept refining it, kept simplifying, and you know, it, it works great. Perfect. Well said for sure. Um, who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow and what is it about them that you like? Yeah. Um, another one that definitely stumped me. <laughs> so I had a real hard time narrowing it down to one. So if I may, I had three that kind of fit separate pillars. Go for it. Shoot away. All right. So the first one that came to mind was DKNG. Um, I just love their overall style, like their simple brand, but then also how, what they do is such a, uh, I think it's a really great blend of very intricate, you know, illustration, mm-hmm. but still coupled with very, very clean, simple graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just love, like, you know, their story. It's just two guys that, you know, good friends do what they love to do together. Um, and you know, they they just wanted to do what they wanted, what they enjoyed, and it turned out to be very successful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, on the flip side, uh, I'm sure it's a very stereotypical answer, but Aaron Draplin's great. Mm-hmm. Um, love his style. It's not a style that I like to do, but I, I definitely love it. But what I love about him is just how, uh, you know, with freelance, it's always the delicate balance of, you know, how much do I charge? Like, what about if this client has a lower budget or, you know, they can't afford my hourly rate and whatnot? And there's some days where I'm like, you know, no, I got, I got to know my worth and I'm, I'm going to hold true to like these price points or I'm mm-hmm. pushing my price point up or whatever. But then on other days, um, I love Draplin's mentality of just kind of being really humble and gracious. And he said something along the lines of, you know, if your friend wants a logo and he can only afford to give you like 50 bucks, you know, you give him like the best logo you can give him. And who cares what's 50 bucks? Like you're helping out a friend and you get to do a killer design. You get to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that just really resonates with me. It was just kind of being, I don't know, like generous with like what we're good at. Um, yeah. Being humble um, is something I hear a lot from guests about Aaron Draplin and, you know, being, um, for lack of a better term, you know, human and yeah. not, not allowing your success to affect you and build this ego and just being humble. Um, for sure. So it's, it's interesting to hear um, so many guests arriving at the same um, perception. Definitely. You know, I mean, I think, and I think it's clear, like he's a guy just doing what he enjoys as well, mm-hmm. but you know, it's made him who he is because he just holds true to what he firmly believes in. For sure. Yep. For um, sure. and then lastly, uh, Stephen Gates, uh, I think he's at 
in vision now. Okay. Um, he is just like a, like a massive like design leader. And I remember being at a job where I was so frustrated with how like our team wasn't vouched for and wasn't supported well. And, um, every project was just a nightmare because of the lack of, um, I don't want to say authority, but like the lack of say that we had. Mm-hmm. And I heard him speak about, um, you know, being a design leader and how he'd been laid off from like, uh, like two of his last three jobs for, um, defending his team too much, but how he's like, I will never compromise that. And he, he's just someone that like, he has a podcast called the crazy ones. If, uh, you've ever heard of it. And he's, I think he just does a good job of kind of touching on things that maybe aren't spoken about as much like, um, you know, the politics of working in house or, um, you know, establishing a team and, and vouching for your team mm-hmm. to the executives and whatnot. And it's just always, uh, you know, really just been inspirational and really, uh, like hit home for me. Awesome. Yeah. Well said three great ones. <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit now about your process. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of guests say that they don't think that their process is unique and even though you might believe that, I want to hear a little bit about your process and what mm-hmm. makes it yours. For sure. Um, well, I was going to lead it with saying that I'm sure it's a similar answer to everyone else's, but now I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think yours is unique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but so like, you know, once it's been kicked off, once it's, uh, you know, fully established and you're about to get the ball moving, mm-hmm. I always, you know, do that research phase, build that foundation of understanding. Um, you know, just get a grasp of who the client is, um, any similar uh, clients in their market or, uh, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, just get a, a full understanding of it. And, um, and especially of like the, of like the task at hand too. And then, you know, collect visual inspiration, um, build some mood boards, you know, just find designs I like, color palettes I like, um, even just like, you know, one little application in a mm-hmm. huge poster design, I'll like just crop out the one thing and take it. Yep. Um, and also sometimes being on like the project find, uh, similar solutions that have been applied and worked well. And then, you know, pull pieces from that that I think are, are really good. Um, always start with pen and paper. Um, it's just fast, easy. Get all the bad ideas out first. Um, and then same with the first initial digital comps. I'll have like 20 some art boards because I believe that the first like five to 10 normally won't be the best solution. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a good solution, but I think it's just good to get them out there anyways. Like mm-hmm. Get out of your head. You can see it it might spark something else you didn't even think about once you're looking at it or you might think it's great and you start drawing it or laying it out. And you're like, Oh, this is actually a pretty terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then yeah, just refine those. Um, digital comps. I usually get down like three or four, like three to five, uh, something to pitch. So they have options. Mm-hmm. Uh, and always like completely distinct options, you know, not like the same layout with three different photos and two different color palettes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to have, you know, three to five completely separate solutions. Um, uh, See what the client thinks, you know, revisit, iterate on them. And uh, once it's, uh, whenever you are going to the client, I always love to kind of almost like sell it. Um, You know, if you just present it, a lot can get misunderstood or something that's Mm -hmm. very simple, you may refine a lot to get to. They might think it's just you not trying. So explain what decisions were made and why and how they, uh, solve the problem that they came to you with in the first place. So then the customer feels more of the part of the process. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That way they're not just getting blindsided and they're told like, this is what you need. I know what you need. 
take it or leave it and definitely don't have any feedback. You know, it, it needs to be a dialogue. It needs to continue cultivating the relationship with them. And as you said, yeah, just make them feel involved that they're, that they're, you know, a stakeholder in this as well. Got it. See, every, it's got a little bit of your own flavor in there, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next few questions I have for you, take you down part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories and lessons out of you. Um, for sure. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Another great question that uh, definitely had me thinking for a little bit. It was almost like how to narrow it down to just one, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which one caused <laughs> the most pain? Yeah. Um, I was at this agency and um, it was a weird situation where we're a newer team. They want to integrate with the rest of the company. Mm -hmm. um, but then didn't really have anyone in place who's ever established a team before. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just left to its own devices. And um, after a while of, you know, we got it up and running, we got it, uh, you know, afloat. And I wasn't in a position necessarily to make that happen. I was kind of like the, just handle all the, all the designs guy, mm -hmm. and then we'll handle all the rest. So I made, a, I made a proposal to say like, you know, um, I think I have some untapped potential here. Here's some expertise that I have and experience I have that I'm not using here. And here's how I think I can apply it here and how it would benefit the team. Uh, I'm, I can't really speak to how they took it, but I know they weren't a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they essentially were hoping I would split ways with them. And then, you know, if I was a single guy, I'd probably be like, okay, fine, I don't need this. I'll eat ramen for the next three months and find yeah. a new job. Yeah. But be being married and like having a mortgage and stuff, I was like, no, I'd prefer not to just leave my job. I kind of like the salary and the benefits, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, I started looking for a job since I knew they didn't want me there. And the period between when I finally landed a new job and um, when they all went downhill, it was just increasingly like passive aggressive and weird tension and lots of weird situations where I, I couldn't tell if it was just like a simple mistake on someone's part or if they were intentionally trying to like push me out again. And it was just weird. And a period of a lot of anxiety and stress. And, I'm, you know, every day I was like, I could get let go today. Like they might find a reason to uh, like make an excuse to fire me today. And so we'll go in and see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what an uncomfortable feeling to live with. Yeah, it, it was pretty rough. It was, I think only that period itself was maybe about two months and it felt like an eternity. So just to clarify, you had gone in there with some suggestions on how to improve things and how to, um, make things work better yeah and it, it was, was not taken well yeah like i said i'm not sure how they may have interpreted it um but essentially like you know here's some ideas i have that i think could build upon the momentum we've started and um as a matter of fact i have like experience in these several things and i'd love to contribute to those in any way i can um and yeah i definitely just <laughs> rubbed them the wrong way for whatever reason crazy yeah, that's like the most valuable thing an employer could have is is an employee who, you know, sees a vision, wants to help improve a business that shows that they that they actively care about the business. Like that's crazy. Yeah, in in one tense meeting, uh, one of the higher ups made a comment about you know what the other guy has been doing is the best thing we've seen for a creative team like in ten years. So why would we change that? And I'm like, I'm not trying to change it. I'm just trying to add to it you know I'll, I'll, let's keep the ball rolling you know mm -hmm. crazy yeah okay 
I want to go now <laughs> to a specific design or a project you were a part of that did not go mm-hmm. well or bring the desired result. Um, take us to that story. What was that like? Definitely. Um, I had a freelance job. It was like a friend of a friend uh, knew someone. So it was like three times removed. Mm-hmm. They wanted a logo. They're looking for someone who can do a logo. And it sounded really easy. Um, it was going to be for like a like a freelance home inspector. And so they just wanted like a cute little like illustration. On paper, sounded easy. And I got the brief over to them. They answered all the questions. Mm-hmm. Nothing complicated. I'm like this should be a breeze. And we got stuck in this endless cycle of them not being happy with the illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I start off with a lot of more like, you know, abstract and kind of unique looking marks, um, a little bit more minimal at times, mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to treat it like a, like, a, like a logo. And they always want more detail, more detail. It doesn't look real enough. Um, we got to the point where like you reach the, you know, the extent of your revisions. I'm going to have to charge you hourly if we, if we keep going down this path. And so, yeah, yeah, whatever, like just make it work. Yep. So, so building hourly at this point and I had to outsource to an illustrator. I'm like, I need this to look as real as possible. You know, just shy of a 3d rendering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they still were like, it just doesn't look real enough. It doesn't look, it looks too cartoonish. I think they kept saying. And then once I got them to finally land on a mark, which I felt bad, I could tell they still weren't happy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to give them, you know, some nice color palettes and they were kind of directing their own way. I, I think they didn't know how to communicate what they were looking for. And they kept saying, I, I want, I want more vibrant colors. It doesn't look bright enough. And we landed on like <laughs> just straightforward blue and yellow on black. So like just as high contrast as possible, just shy of white on black. Mm-hmm. And it was rough. I, I did the best job I could and I, I could just tell they still weren't that stoked about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I usually never do this, but I, at, to a certain point I had to kind of just pull back and say, just tell me what you want and I will do exactly what you want since you clearly don't want whatever I'm, I'm proposing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an interesting one. <laughs> Crazy. So what is the, what's the lesson in that? What did you pull from that? You know, the low hanging fruit would just be, you know, a, a more specific brief up front or um, I guess more clear communication because that was clearly the, the discrepancy was mm-hmm. they were trying to communicate something and then I would do what I thought I understood mm-hmm. and it clearly wasn't what they were looking for. But I think in this one special case, I think they weren't able to act, like articulate what they were looking for. Yep. Um, and so I think the only thing I can do is now just be a little more sensitive to that in the future and try to read it better. And, um, you know, lately on projects, if I don't understand what they're saying, I'll kind of pitch back. Like, do you mean a, do you mean B or C? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've all had, you know, projects like that where you just feel that the communication, there's, there's, there's something missing here. There's something not clicking. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's worse because like, it's almost completely lined up and it's like a degree off or something. Yeah. I hear you there. Um, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Uh, another stumping question. Um, you know, I, I think at the moment it's the the balance of needing to pay the bills and then also want to pursue like freelance work. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, so I mentioned I'm at Crocs, and it's honestly like one of the best in-house jobs I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, great environment where you know design and creativity is actually getting a voice at the table, and um, our creative director is great. He's he's brilliant and really badges for the team and pushes us to to innovate. You know, within the confines of the brand mm-hmm. and you know the style for whichever year we're working for, and. Um, you know, at the same time, I, I love doing that, but I also have you know this you know desire to take on more freelance work or to explore different areas. Like I've been mm-hmm. trying to transition more into like UX, um, and you know just trying to find that time. It's probably the biggest like uh, like dissonance in my in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, that battle of you know trying to fulfill a creative freedom, but also mm-hmm. wanting. To contribute to an amazing team yeah for sure got it and, and like i said like, I, like it's a great team here and i'm you know honored to be a part of it and so it's just especially like, you know with like commuting and whatnot like by the time i get home and have dinner and am ready to dive in some freelance work it's already like eight or nine o'clock at night and i'm like all right dude, how much do i want to sleep tonight <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's for sure um all right i'm going to change direction and i want to hear some happy things so <laughs> okay. I want you to tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. All right. Um, so the one I landed on is not a design that I aesthetically love the most. Okay. Um, so I did a uh, identity project for the art and entertainment district of West Palm Beach where I used to live. Mm-hmm. And... It was my first big freelancing job. I was still in school. Um, it was through an agency that I did some volunteer work with, mm-hmm. and they eventually hired me on uh, while I was still a senior. And it was, uh, I mean, it's definitely a unique mark, and I think that's why it's been effective and they still use it today. But you know, it, it was like um, like three like like wet splashing paint strokes, and you know one has like the silhouette of like a dancer, one's a silhouette of like a paintbrush, and one has a silhouette of like um like a music staff with music notes on it. Oh, that's and cool. the execution's kinda like rough. Uh, <laughs> I think I had like some like I found like some clip art like splashes I just like put in Illustrator and traced and whatnot. And um it's a weird orientation. It's like kind of triangular shaped and then I stacked the type super tight for some reason. Um, but what I do love about though is that it was it was like the first big win as like a designer. I'm like, okay, like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, being in school, what they paid was like, oh man, I just made a ton of money doing like you know not that much work. Yeah. Um, but then it was cool because we went back to Florida recently for the first time since we moved, and the art district is like booming. And at first, I was a little horrified because like, oh no, it's on everything. <laughs> like, why are they still using this? But it was kind of cool to see, like, you know, they, they they built equity on it and really grew it. And um, it's become a, a big part of that city, which has been really cool to see. That's cool, man. Where can I see this logo? How do I see this? <laughs> oh, man. I do have a small little, like, like case study of sorts on my website. But then if you just Google Art and Entertainment District of West Palm Beach. Art and Entertainment um, District in West Palm Beach. <laughs> Yeah, I can't speak to the website. I haven't looked at it in a while, and I wasn't involved with it. But uh, I know their Instagram is, is hopping. They got a lot of cool photography of, you know, like really really hit people in front of huge street art murals. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely one to be proud of, man. That's a great one. 
Yeah, no, it was fun. Um, the next question I have is is practical, I guess I would describe it as. Um, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't mm. live without? Well, I didn't want to be like pretentious and say pen and paper, but I do love pen and paper. Um, okay. like it's the the starting point for everything I do. Mm-hmm. But as far as the program itself, I'd say Illustrator because um, the program I was at in school was really good about forcing us to learn the pen tool. Mm-hmm. And so with my kind of my natural knack for drawing, um, Illustrator kind of became like just as good as pen and paper for me. So a lot of times if I'm Concepting, I'll just open a huge artboard and start playing around with stuff in Illustrator and already have it digitized right there, which is nice. That's cool. That is really cool. Good tools. Um, now we're at the time of the show here where it's the ask it forward question. I have a question oh, f- for you <laughs> from my previous guest, and you have right. an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. <laughs> I wasn't nervous until now. Excellent. Yeah. Let them all know it should be real deal, man. This is big time. <laughs> uh, my previous guests were a duo, a team from uh, Tatro in Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada here. Paul and Andrea, they're the principals of that uh, studio. And they yeah. wanted to ask if you could work with or collaborate with any designer, alive or dead, who, oh. who would it be? And why? Oh, man. Ooh, I think I'm going to get a little corny on this one. Okay. So I have a buddy who's a designer. Um, He uh, had been on the show on our earlier episode, but he freelances and works in-house at a really cool agency. Mm -hmm. But before I even knew what graphic design was, he had already started his career and, you know, was loving it. And... He knew I was, you know, I had a knack for drawing and ha- had an eye for uh, like aesthetic and problem solving. And mm-hmm. he was like, "Dude, you're gonna go to college, and we're gonna open our own design agency one day." And granted, it's been you know, like almost ten years since we first talked about that, mm-hmm. but it's been something that we've always, you know, we're always talking about it, always dreaming or saying like, "Oh, that'd be really cool." Like, we'll add that to our agency. Like, you know, when we do open that, yeah. Awesome. I love it. So dro- name drop that guy. Uh, that's Craig Valentino, who uh, freelances under Thank God's Monday. Yep. Craig, good dude. Solid guy. Man, I hope yeah. you guys start something together. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I think he, he's unknowingly been my design mentor. I, I probably should tell him directly. Oh, he's going to hear it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Johnny, what's your question you'd like me to ask the next guest? All right. I thought about this one. Pretty, pretty long and hard. Um, so I mentioned Stephen Gates earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already felt that failure is one of the biggest and best tools for learning and for growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard him once talk about when he was, I think, I think it was like VP of global design at Citibank, I think. And he okay. would have a weekly recap meeting with his team every week. And it would be, um, you know, what was your biggest failure this week? Go. Yeah. And whoever, whoever messed up the worst would get a bottle of champagne. Sweet. I know, right? I love that. <laughs> um, and his whole thing was to kind of emphasize, um, you know, that we, we shouldn't shy away from failure. We shouldn't be afraid of failure. It's going to happen anyways. And it's actually good. You know, it's a catalyst to learning and growing. Mm-hmm. So I think my question would be a two-parter. You know, what is the biggest failure uh, 
you know, you've experienced in your career thus far. You know, it could be a project, it could be maybe a job choice or, you know, leaving a job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and how has that, you know, changed you or what have you learned from that and how have you changed uh, since then? You know, That's in what way did you grow from that? What have you learned? How did you grow from that? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. I love it, Johnny. Thanks, man. You made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so Woo! much for your time on the show, man. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Uh, keep up the great work, man. I've been loving the show. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That was Johnny Vignola. Loved chatting with him. What a great interview. Guys, if you loved what you heard, you loved this interview, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the show. I would really appreciate it. As I say, they make me smile. They make me feel warm. Thank you for leaving those. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you tomorrow.